We are in 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 10. We went through the first nine verses last week, quickly making our way through 2 Timothy. We'll have this lesson and then next week, and then we'll be through with 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, this is lesson number 7, beginning in verse 10. Just to recap, Paul has been uh, talking with Timothy and encouraging Timothy. Uh, sometimes it's difficult to serve the Lord. You have opposition. Timothy certainly had opposition, especially in this day and time. And so Paul is encouraging him to be faithful to God, even in the difficult time. We'll begin to read these. He says, but you, speaking of Timothy, have carefully followed my doctrine manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, and perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch and at Iconium, at Lystra, persecutions I endured. So he's saying, Timothy, you remember all these things that I had to go through. Uh, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ will suffer persecution. I actually used that verse this past Sunday uh, in my uh, sermon. So, uh, 2 Timothy, uh, that was 3 verse, I think it was verse uh, 12. But you, that's how he starts. So, uh, he's drawing a comparison between Timothy and other people. So, what he's talking about to Timothy is that We've been, last week we talked about that there will be perilous times, uh, bad times. We said there were going to be bad times and bad people. Uh, but Timothy's different than that, right? Paul is describing Timothy as someone who is different. So Paul was drawing a clear dividing line between Timothy and those who were ruled by the Spirit in the last days. So there, there is a spirit, I mean, have you ever heard the word spirit of the age? Uh, it's just simply the spirit of the time frame that we are living in. The spirit of the age is that it, we're in the last days. Does anybody remember what we said the last days were composed of? What's that timeline of the last days? I remember from last week? It was from... No, no, that's the tribulation, which is a specific thing. But the timeline of the last days are from birth of the church, which happened at uh, the day of Pentecost, all the way until uh, the end of the tribulation, which includes that seven years that you're talking about. So uh, that's, that's the time frame. And here, uh, really, the answer to question one is that Paul is dry, drawing a dividing line between Timothy and how he uh, lives, how he acts, how he uh, lives for the Lord and those who are ruled by the spirit of the last days. Saying Timothy, you've followed carefully. He's followed Paul. He's watched Paul's doctrine. He's listened to Paul. Timothy was blessed to have Paul as his mentor, as his teacher, as uh, the one that he would follow. He was watching Paul's not only Paul's doctrine, but his manner of life. How many knows you can have correct doctrine but still not live correctly, right? So he's saying, you've watched my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose. Everyone knows that we should live for a purpose, right? 
created for a purpose. I, I preach about that a lot of times on on Sunday. Is that you know God didn't save us to just sit back in a pew and never serve Him in any manner. He saved us for a purpose, right? Uh, so we we have a purpose. Uh, he, he said, "You've seen my faith. Carefully followed my faith." Paul's faith was obvious, right? Remember a couple of weeks ago when I preached on uh, the four friends who carried their uh, loved one to Jesus on the mat? And Jesus said to them, uh, well, he didn't say to them, it says he saw their faith. So faith is uh, something that can be seen, something that can be followed, uh, is, is what we were seeing here. You see my long suffering, my love, my perseverance. Those were called to persevere, right? Uh, to keep going even when it's tough, even whenever we feel like quitting. He said, you've seen and carefully followed my persecutions and my afflictions. In other words, Paul is telling him that you have followed me well. Not just one part of my life, but you have been, Paul was, I mean, Timothy was a student of Paul. He studied him. Followed him and he uh, did those, he carefully followed him. So he didn't just merely teach Timothy from an academic sense, but Timothy learned these things from Paul by Paul's example. So it's one thing for me to pick up the book and teach you from it, but it's a, you know, a totally different thing from, for me to live it before you, right? So you see it. And you have application. You see uh, Paul lived before Timothy and showed him how to live. It all began with Timothy catching Paul's doctrine. And he was in what's doctrine? What is doctrine? What you believe? It's a little bit more than that. It is what you believe. What you believe in practice, what you believe, and why you believe it is the way I like to say it. Uh, but yes, it's what we practice as well. If you cannot back up your doctrine with scripture, then you probably have a faulty doctrine. We, we need to make sure that we know what we believe, but also why we believe. And by the way, for uh, anyone that might not know it, if you go to our website, you can find what we believe as a denomination. It's there. As a matter of fact, new members, if you ask to become an official member, I print that out along with an application for membership so that people will know what do we really believe as a church. Because if you're going to sign up to be a member, then you need to know what we truly believe, right? Uh, so that's, that's important. Uh, what we believe determines how we live. If you truly believe something, you'll live according to that belief, right? Uh, it changes. If you just kind of somewhat believe it, you might not change your the way you live, but if you truly believe something, it causes a change in the way you live. Uh, Paul caught Timothy's purpose. In other words, the direction that he was heading in, what Paul uh, was attempting to do in his life and how he was attempting to spread the gospel. Paul, or Timothy, watched. There, there's a, a saying that faith is both taught and Taught. Have you ever heard that? 
that faith is taught and caught. In other words, it's taught by what, like what we're doing, opening up the word, begin to teach it, but also it's caught by the way we follow the person that may be leading us or how we follow the Lord. So uh, we are to catch our, our faith should be both taught and caught. Long suffering, love, doctrine, all of these things that Paul uh, held as important and Timothy was able to pick up on that and to see uh, just how to live. As, as we get into chapter 3, especially this last half of it, Paul's beginning to kind of wrap up everything that he's telling Timothy and is somewhat reminding him uh, and encouraging him to keep following uh, what he's been taught and how he's learned how to live. One of the last things he talks about is long-suffering. Long-suffering. A little bit of feel there that we will suffer persecution for the, for the kingdom, for God. Now, sometimes you can see that and sometimes you can't. Uh, in other countries, you might see a lot of persecution. In China, you cannot openly talk about Christ or Christianity. It's still that way today. Uh, there have been some openings where it's been accepted some places, but other places not so. There are still churches hidden in basements and in people's houses and all kinds of things. And if they're found out, they will suffer persecution. Uh, so, and that's what that verse 12 is talking about. It says, all who desire to live godly in Christ will suffer persecution. They didn't just say the people in China, right? It said, what's that word? Who's that include? <laughs> Everybody, right? Do you ever feel persecuted for your faith? Or have you ever felt persecuted for your faith? Not like they were in the Bible. Can you see a day that might come that we would be? Everybody's shaking their head. Uh, there definitely uh, it could be a day like that that, that could happen. Uh, Christians are persecuted now in China, not only in China, but in Muslim parts of uh, the world, persecuted. John 3.19 says, and this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds are evil. So, people don't want to see you live for the Lord. Why? Because it condemns them. If you live differently and think we should live differently enough that people see a difference, right? Uh, and so if we do that, not that that's what we want to do is condemn people, but they see the difference between the way we live, and their hearts are condemned. Uh, there's condemnation there uh, because they recognize that they're living in darkness and not living in light. Don't want to condone or do things uh, uh, that advertise for you know, a different lifestyle than what we believe in. You're definitely seeing that modern day, for sure. There's several churches that have stepped away from the, what I would say, the mainline beliefs. Uh, and they uh, can come, what, come off somewhat 
don't know if this is a word or not, but persecute, persecutory. Okay, in other words, they can come off us as if they're persecuting us who hold those mainline beliefs. So that that be very truthful. So then Paul begins to list some places where he suffered persecution. Antioch, Iconium, Lystra. In Antioch, Paul was kicked out of the city for preaching the gospel. Imagine that. That's pretty rough. That's definitely persecution, isn't it? Uh, he was kicked out of the city in Antioch for preaching the gospel. At Iconium, which I don't think that's in your questions, but interesting, Paul was almost uh, stoned to death in uh, Iconium, but he was able to escape from that. And at Lystra, they actually did stone Paul and they left him for dead. Bible talks about them standing around him, and then all of a sudden he begins to get up, right? Uh, so he, imagine if you were there, and you'd certainly believe in the power of God, wouldn't you? <laughs> and Paul simply says, out of all of them, of all those places, all those types of persecution, the Lord delivered me. Aren't you thankful for a God uh, that takes care of us? Amen? Uh, he's a God that... Who, who takes care of us and uh, who uh, keeps us safe and keeps us from, uh, maybe not from harm, but keeps us uh, in his care. Paul was rehearsing all of this as he sat in prison. Imagine. He's kind of, uh, remember when we began studying study of 2 Timothy? It's believed that shortly after the writing of this book that Paul was just persecuted, but killed for the gospel, right? I was trying to come up with how he was killed, but I think it escaped my mind. Uh, but he uh, suffered death for uh, the Lord. So he's sitting there in prison rehearsing how not only he was persecuted, but how God delivered him out of it. Uh, and he's still keeping hope in the Lord, right? Uh, and maybe God will do that uh, same thing this time. How easy would it have been for Paul to just quit serving the Lord? Imagine, all these things happen to you in all these different cities. I might have packed my bags and tried to go home. <laughs> but he just kept going, didn't he? Because he had a purpose and because God uh, had a call on his life, uh, he was willing to stop. He uh, had to keep going uh, for the Lord. Hopefully we can have that same kind of attitude no matter what we suffer. No matter how things come against us that we would continue uh, to serve and to live for the Lord. I think that's important. Can I tell you, I think you have to have a made up mind before it happens. Because if you wait until you face persecution to make a decision if you're going to keep living for the Lord or not, you probably won't. I mean, uh, that's just the way our minds work, isn't it? Uh, but if we make up our mind before uh, we ever had to suffer persecution, uh, that we're going to continue to go, I believe we can make it. Let's read verses 13 through 15. That evil men and the imposters will grow worse and worse as 
lot of people believe that the earth is going to get better and better, but that's not backed up by this scripture. We grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things that you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures. Uh, this goes all the way back to 1 Timothy, uh, where it talks about uh, Timothy was taught the Scriptures from a child, right? And he was taught them. I mean, remember who taught him? Grandmother and mother, right? Uh, so there was a legacy of learning the scriptures from his mother and his mother's mother. And I, I think that's important. I think we need to teach our kids scriptures, especially when they're young uh, and have those minds that are like uh, you know a sponge and can soak it in and uh, when you really learn a scripture, it'll come back to you real, a lot more easy. right? Uh, so it's important that we uh, do that says from childhood you've known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. So it's the scriptures that give us wisdom to even be able to be saved. Somebody tell me a scripture I'm going to test you here, not in your questions, off the top of your mind that is related to salvation that you probably should know. 316, right? I made it easy. Someone give me another one. Romans 323. Romans 323. It says, All of sin and come short, right? Anybody have another one? 323, 623. What about Romans 10, 9, and 10? Anybody know, have a portion of that memorized? Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. God has raised Jesus from the dead, then you shall be saved, right? Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, shall not walk. It goes all the way down there and talks about him leading us and guiding us in the valley of the shadow of death. See, a lot of scriptures that we don't automatically think about salvation can be applied. I brought Psalm 23 last week into my sermon uh, and I had never done that when teaching that particular scripture before, but uh, it's, a it's a great passage. There's all kinds, some are really easy to memorize, and you've heard time after time. So I encourage you to, to do that, because it says it makes you wise for salvation, but it also makes you wise for evangelism. And I think that's important, so that you can win people to the Lord. You can show them. Romans Road is one of those things that you really, uh, it would do you well to memorize and they're not, it's not something you can't do. It's not too difficult, I'll put it that way. Uh, so, but evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse. Uh, it's going to be obvious that they are enemies of Christ, enemies of the gospel, uh, imposters. So evil men, we see Imposters, we may not recognize right away because they they look like they're good, but they're deceptive. If somebody's an imposter, that means they're they're, they're trying to, they, they're trying to fool the way you think about them, right? Uh, so the evil men and the imposters, and they're they're all 
destructive to uh, the kingdom. But you must continue in the things which you have learned. So it's a, a key section here uh, to learn the scriptures. He's told Timothy to abide in those things that he had learned from uh, the time that he was a uh, young boy uh, and the things that he had heard from the very beginning. I know the Sunday school has specific scriptures that they want the different age groups to memorize. I think even in nursery, if I'm not mistaken, there is like Jesus loves you, Jesus loves me, those, those kind of little things uh, that we learn. And then they go on to learn things like John 3.16. John, John 3.16 <laughs> is in the nursery, okay? Uh, and then, you know, maybe I know that this was in Sunday school, but also in uh, Christian Path Life, which Ken was a leader of years ago. Romans 12, 1 is one of those scriptures uh, that uh, from the beginning that we learn, it's important uh, for us to learn the scriptures. Even if you don't have it fully memorized, exactly King James style, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, but if you have it in your heart and you understand the meaning of it, then you can tell people about it, right? Even if you don't have it exactly word for word uh, memorized. All the things which you have learned, continue in those, uh, follow those scriptures, continue to keep them in your heart. And Paul said, hey, remember who taught you those things, too. Remember that your mom and your grandma taught them, but also remember the things that I taught as your uh, spiritual mentor, your spiritual uh, leader. It was Paul, many believe it was Paul who actually led Timothy Christ first. We can see Paul has a, a big, long history with Timothy, right? Uh, he led him to Christ, uh, gave him ministry opportunities. You see that in other books of the Bible. Uh, he taught him by word and by example. He laid hands on him. So this is the, I mean, we're seeing all these things that Paul is trying to remind Timothy of is that I Remember the things I've taught you, but also that you're special and set apart, right? And the things that you've learned throughout your life and the scriptures that you've learned and the examples that you've seen, we're to take all those in, uh, and it's to help us live for the Lord. Uh, Paul had guided and mentored him uh, throughout much of his life. That from your childhood, you've known the holy scriptures. Grandmother? That was actually in your questions. I skipped ahead. Who was his grandmother and mother? Can I remember the names? Lois, Lois and Eunice. And they were responsible to, uh, for teaching him. All right, let's skip to verse 16 and 17. These two verses are the first two verses I encountered in going back to school for my master's in theology. They obviously think this is important, right? And so do I, because it talks about what the scripture is and, and how it's an inspiration and what it's good for. You realize that your Bible has purpose and value. We say that every week on Sunday morning, but do we really always realize the purpose and value of that? All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is profitable for doctrine, 
for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So, how much of the scripture is inspired? Oh, all of it, right? That was almost a tricky question there, wasn't it? All of the scripture is inspired uh, by God, uh, and it has a purpose for it. Paul wasn't just referring, so I want you to think about Timothy's day and time. Paul was not just referring to the Hebrew Bible. He's now referring to the scriptures which are being written at that point in time uh, in the New Testament. So in other words, the words of like Paul and Peter and the Gospels written by Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all of those scriptures of, that Paul wrote, all the books to the churches, he's including that, them in that, not just so you have to realize that Timothy was acquainted with the Old Testament, the law, and prophets, poetry, which is Psalms and Proverbs and those kinds of things, and the major and the minor prophets. He was associated with all those, but now Paul's saying this includes those things that have been written, which are, that are a part of the canon of the scriptures in the New Testament. So he's including that in there. Uh, those things that were God- Breathed. That's what that word inspired means. God breathed. Inspiration uh, from the Lord, not from man. The Bible tells us that the word of God will never cease to be. One of those things that is forever and ever. Matter of fact, uh, it says that the grass withers, the flower fades, Word of God stands forever. And there's no book that will compare to the Bible. No book at all compares to it. Uh, it is has a continuity to it from the Old Testament, from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 21. There's a consistency and a constancy about the scripture. It does not contradict itself. Uh, if it's studied and read properly. It is the most circulated book ever throughout history. It has survived wars after wars. It uh, stands forever. There's no book like it with its influence or its life-changing power. So, if you have your Bible there with you, it's powerful. It's an amazing book. And the amazing thing is it wasn't just written by one author. Think about that. It was written by many, many authors down through many, many ages, and it's still powerful, and it's never been proven to contradict itself. That's, amazing. That's miraculous, really, when you think about that. Uh, there's no book at all uh, like it. It's inspiration uh, by God. It's unique. It's powerful for us, and it helps us learn about God and about uh, salvation and how we are to live. So, is there a way that we can deny the Bible besides just verbally? I'm not doing it. That's good. I like that. Anything else? We can verbally deny it. Is there some other ways that we can deny it? 
putting more of ourselves into it than what the Bible actually says. You know, sometimes we make the Bible about us, but it's really about God, right? Uh, that's one way that we can kind of deny the scriptures if we don't watch what we're doing. We can teach and preach about our opinions instead of proclaiming the word of God. That's another way to deny it. We can live incorrectly uh, according to the scriptures. That denies it. And if we actually think it's God's word and we don't study it, then we're denying it as well, right? Uh, so all scripture is inspired by God. It's profitable. How is the Bible profitable to you? A roadmap. What else? Encouraging. Gives us direction. There you go. Direction. Stability. I like that. This is a world that's very unstable right now, and so it gives us that firm foundation, that stability that we need. Anything else? Yes, and it gives us an introduction to righteousness. I like that. It teaches us how to live rightly according to what God has said is the right way to live. Instruction in faith teaches us to be perfect, even though we struggle with it, don't we? <laughs> it does teach us we'll never be perfect. In that perfectness, it teaches us that, uh, that we stand in perfectness because God has made us perfect, but we're also being made perfect, right? When I'm saved, I'm fully saved, but yet I'm still being saved. Does that blow your mind? When I get saved, I'm sanctified right then and there, but yet there's still a work of sanctification going on. So we have a positional righteousness. We've been made righteous through the Lord, but yet we're also immediately, but yet we're also being made. So it's a process, but also an instantaneous work of God. That's a, that's a difficult concept to think about with our, uh, with our human minds. So what is the purpose to make us complete? That's what the scripture does for the saint for God. It makes us complete and equipped to do the work of the Lord, right? To do good works. So without the scriptures, we might know some things and we might taught some things, but we'll never be complete without the scriptures, right? Uh, and it teaches us and helps us to live a life and to do good works. Uh, and it's not the good works that save us, but it's the scriptures that make us complete in our, our relationship with the Lord. We're fully complete and we're equipped. We're equipped for the, the good work. So the Bible has a transformative work in our lives. I'm talking about the power of the, the word here. It is a transformative work. Romans 12, 2 says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Right? So it's the scriptures that have this transformative work. And the more we know the scriptures, the more we study the scriptures, the more 
we teach it, the more it's taught to us, the more we're changed and transformed uh, in, our, in our life. Uh, and we become what God has designed us to be. Without the scriptures, we'll never be fully what God has designed us to be. Because that, that has the way, it is the way that we're completed uh, as Christians. So at the beginning uh, of the chapter, Paul is warning, warning Timothy about the danger of the times, not to be swept away by the perilous times. Uh, and now he's saying the way not to be swept away is to stand uh, strong and to balance ourselves on the word of God. So what will get you through the perilous times? The word of God. The word of God that is that, I like what that he said, I hadn't heard that used before, but that stabilizing, it has a stabilizing effect on us. Uh, when we were panicked, the Bible tells us to stand strong in faith. It gives us example of, after example of how uh, people who followers of the Lord have stood strong and uh, uh, remained faithful. So it's, it has a stabilizing uh, effect to it strength, it gives you the fortitude to keep going, it gives you faith that you need uh, to believe that somehow God's going to make a way, and definitely confidence knowing that he is he's going to make a way where we might not even understand how. Has that happened in your life, right? When God made a way and you're like, yeah, I'm not sure how, but God's going to do it, right? Uh, so it's, it's important uh, that we Continue to study. That's what Paul is exhorting Timothy to be and to do. He's saying, study, be, uh, know the word, be uh, lifted up by, be encouraged and strengthened by the word, and that's the way we're going to make it. They try to trust in the world, but then there's not really anything that trustworthy in the world. The sources for truth in the world are very limited. You used to be able to turn on the news at 6 o'clock and feel like you got kind of somewhat informed. Uh, I feel like I've just kind of been, you know, somebody's tried to put blinders on me if I <laughs> watch that. Certainly don't put your trust in the news and don't believe everything that you hear from that either. I can just give that one. What do the words but you reveal about Paul thought of Timothy. That he was different. That's the easiest way to say it. There was, he was different than the world, different than the people of that age. Uh, fill in the blank here. Uh, from verse 10 there, where it says, carefully followed, means that Paul did not just teach Timothy in a what sense? Academic sense, but Timothy learned by Paul's Example. Uh, from verse 12, all who desire to live godly in Christ will suffer persecution. What happened to Paul at Antioch? See, in this scripture, he didn't tell us. But if you go to Acts 14, 19, or Acts 13, 15, he was what? Oh, King James is soft there. They ran him out. They kicked him out, right? 
According to Acts 14 and 19, what happened to Paul at Lystra? Y'all knew him. Left him for dead. How long had Timothy known the Holy Scriptures and who taught them to him? Childhood, mother and grandmother, who are Lois and Eunice. Name three ways we can believe in the inspiration of the Bible in principle, but deny it in practice. So the first one I wrote down is that we can uh, put our own meaning into the text. In other words, try to make it say what we want it to say. Misinterpret it, right? That's, that's a good word, one word uh, that's good. Ignore or do opposite of a way that we uh, say it's inspired them, but deny it in our practice. Make it about us. Yeah. I mean, some of the scriptures are about us, but not everything in the Bible is directly about me, right? The Bible is about God's plan, right? And the Lord. So uh, we can believe it's inspired, but then try to make it just about us. How much of the Bible is inspired? All of it. All right. And then verse 17, the purpose of the Bible is to make us complete. Well, Danny, you have perfect uh, and equipped for every good work or furnished for every good work is the King James Version. 